Welcome to the Preacher Podcast, where we believe that preaching should be biblical, and for it to be biblical, it must be Christ-centered. We talk to preachers about, well, preaching. Whether you have preached one sermon or 1,000, we're here to serve those who want to preach better. I'm your host, Alan Stanley. And now, the rest of the conversation from the last episode. And also, when it comes to individuals and our pain and suffering, this process of coming out to something new, whether you call it resurrection, whether you call it life, whether you call it reorder, whether you call it, you know, Canaan or, or whatever it is, you know, to stick with biblical imagery, it's not automatic, is it? it because we mm. can resist it. We, mm-hmm. we, we, you talked a little bit about this before. We can resist the pain. I'm reminded of Hebrews 12 where it says, submit to the author of life or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we shouldn't, you know, I, I'm reminded for myself, um, and this has been, a, you know, this has been something that's been um, very true for my life and, and uh, what's the word, educational, I guess, is that, you know, I think there was a time where I thought the trials and suffering would just automatically transform me, but they don't. Mm, mm, um, you mm, actually, there's, you a sub- the there's, a, there's a submitting to it. A, I mean, faith, yeah. for lack of a better word. Yeah. There's a faith aspect. Mm, yeah. Yeah, there have been moments where God has miraculously, especially like through that healing prayer, just released me from something or shown me a different side of the pain of what he's doing in it. Um, But there's also been a lot of spiritual direction calls and, um, you know, talking to friends and and processing and journaling and writing and crying and painting to try to make sense of it all. And um, I think for me at least a lot of it is um, where we find our true selves, like some of the pain, you know, if if your child dies or your mm. marriage breaks up, like mm. there's there's not always a lot that you can do about it. But some of the things that are painful about us, about our situations, like I thought this would have been true in my life by now and what does it say about me that this isn't true in my life, these kinds of things, that, that's real pain too. Mm. And, um, and so some of it is an opportunity to not just reinterpret the situation, but rethink how God sees us and be released from identity. And, you know, there might be things our parents have said about us that you're only a success if you have this thing happen to you by the time you're 40 or whatever. Um, That's real. And, um, you know, uh, Merton, Thomas Merton and Richard Raw talk talk a lot about true self and false self. And, um, And I think sometimes in these moments of pain, you know, I had a, a situation happen to me just last year where we have these vows we make where as long as this thing never happens to me, I'll be okay. Mm. And then that thing happens, mm. you know, and I'm a people pleaser. So one of the worst things for me is, you know, I'm just trying always to make sure everybody's happy, which is, cool. of course, is impossible as a pastor. And um, I I was accused of something very publicly in a situation a year or so ago and, um it was very painful the way that was handled and it was my worst nightmare, you know. And um, so I just remember 
asking God, like, who do you say I am? Is this, is this true? Like I wanted to be open to it. If there was something I needed to learn from it, I also did not want to internalize any of it if it was not who God said I was. And um, it was interesting because this was all happening on a Zoom call. And um, so that made it even more painful in a way, a group with a group. And um, uh, the group has since apologized for letting the meeting go in that direction. So that was that was healing. But um, in the time, I thought, I just need to sit here and receive these accusations and let that person feel heard. And um, I was doodling, which I often do, um, partly just to kind of help me deal with the pain of what was being spoken over me. And um, I found myself drawing something that I didn't even realize I was drawing. And so by the end of the call, I was really surprised by what I saw. I don't know if you're able to send, like if there are show notes with your podcast or whatever, but I can share the image that I drew Mm. because I felt like a very small person who was just trying to make herself smaller so she didn't upset everybody. And I was Mm. just rolled up in a little ball to protect Mm. myself. And the picture that I drew was actually an image of, of me standing tall and strong and beautiful. And I have a crown on and, um, and I'm hidden because when this was happening, I just said to Jesus, can I just hide in you? Mm. Like, can you just absorb anything that is not for me and let through whatever is for me? I don't even know what is true and what is not true right now. Just do that for me. And so there was this picture. So there's an outline of another shape around me, almost like a cape mm. around me with a hood. And, and there's all these kind of arrows that it has absorbed and I'm hiding inside of it, but I'm not cowering. Like I look strong and I look confident and um, not to say that everything the person said to, about me was not true, but, but it was a moment to, to go back to God. So when, when these painful moments hit us, and especially when it has to do with our identity, it's a moment to go back to God and say, who do you say I am? Yeah. You know, what is true of me? Yeah. And to release the lies that we have been believing about ourselves and to be hidden in him, to find our identity in him. And the interesting thing for me is that, that I've had this experience several times now where I've been in deep pain and I've gone to Jesus in it and he hasn't removed the pain. Like it's not like I feel good. But it's almost like there's a sponge in me that my my whole self is filled with this intense pain. And at the same time, there is a sponge that has just absorbed it and it's just holding it there. And and the sponge is like, I've done this before. Like, I'm not afraid of this. I've been through this. We can can survive this. I'm going to hold it with you. And, uh, yeah, that... I don't even know what to say about that, but it's like it saves me. That's it's a moment of salvation. Mm. I I resonate with what you're saying, and um, there's several things that come to mind. Um, uh, some of which I'm wrestling with in terms of <laughs> whether I should say them, one of which is, you know, because really what you're saying is, I think, uh, let me back up a little bit. Um, you really have to, you, we talked, we talked, we alluded to this before, you really have to go through this process yourself if, if you're going to lead others there. Mm-hmm. If you're going to understand, if you're going to understand 
um, the role, the godly role, we could put it like that, that pain plays in our lives and, and you know, where it's leading to, if, if we have never been through that ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what the other side actually looks like. Um, because as, as you say, you know, in that disordered state, one of the things that sometimes is being affected is our identity. And we mm -hmm. simply don't want to let go of it. Um, I think of the, uh, the rich young ruler is probably a really good example because sometimes pain is not something that necessarily comes to us. It's something that we are invited into. The rich uh -huh. young ruler, you know, Jesus asked mm. the rich young ruler to, sell, it. to yeah. sell all he had and he wouldn't do it. Yeah. You know, in other words, he would not. He basically was like the, you know, the caterpillar saying, "I'm very happy with yeah. with this," or I don't oh, want that to. That makes me so sad. Yeah, I don't want to walk into that disordered, in into mm -hmm. that disordered space. Mm -hmm. But you know, from Jesus, so from his point of view, I'd much rather stay here where it's order, where it's comfortable, yeah. where there's no pain. But from Jesus's point of view. His whole goal for that man, and, and in Luke's account, it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. His whole mm. goal for that man is to set him free. Yeah, yeah. But he can never get to that free, that liberated state unless he goes through that middle phase. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes, to all of that. Yeah, yeah. What if, what if Jesus, you know, it's crazy because he says, um, take up your cross and follow me. And he also says, I've come to give you a life abundant. Mm. And somehow those two things are connected, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so I wonder sometimes if he calls it a grace when he talks about how we're going to have to die. Mm. I wonder if it's a grace that he uses that language because it feels like death to us, that he's actually like giggling with delight behind his hand because he knows the freedom and the, and the healing that will come. But for now, he can't reveal that because he wants to be—he wants to be with us in the pain. And he doesn't want to minimize how hard it is for us to go there. Um, but if he's actually kind of delighting um, in in what he knows is possible when we say yes to that, mm. yeah, yeah, I love that. He—I mean, he also says, you know, he says, "Take up your cross," but he also says, "Come to me, and I'll give you rest." Yeah. And it's Crazy, almost, yeah. It? It's like if you put all these things together, it is. Well, yes, I will give you rest. Yes, I will give you life, but you're not going to get. It's not going to come to you on a platter. Right. Right. Yeah. I um, I love the the quote from Jim Elliot, um, missionary, who says, "He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose." Mm. And it's especially poignant because he was killed as a 28-year-old just trying to go into a new field in Ecuador. And so he hadn't even really established the work there yet and um, was killed by Native people, the unreached people group that he was wanting to, to reach mm -hmm. <laughs> for the gospel. And But the interesting thing is he didn't say those words as he was dying. He had already penned those words. And they're so poignant now because his obedience took him to that death. But but he had already, I'm assuming, in order to say yes to a call like that to go into kind of an un, uncharted, unreached people group, he'd already had to die to his desire for safety and security and stability in order to be able to say, but everything that I'm giving up 
eventually our home and our body and our life is going to be taken from us anyway. So why not choose it to give it with joy to gain the thing that I can never lose? Mm. Profound. Mm. Yeah, truly. I was told the other day of a lady who lost her husband and I take it that she had been going to church um, and she lost her husband and now she didn't want to go to church. She just couldn't face it. Mm. Um, I think she'd come once and then she hasn't gone back uh, because of, you know, she's in so much pain. And so she doesn't want to be in church. Yeah. Right? How do we as, you know, pastors or preachers, people in the pulpit, create an environment where we don't run from pain, where we see pain, this comes back to where we started, where we see pain in its proper context, that we stop putting mm. our interpretive lenses Mm -hmm. on things yeah yeah I, I big guess question act, act, act like a little bit of a prophet perhaps mm -hmm. yeah well two things come to mind first of all how can we be a place that may not begin by talking all the time you know when people ask us hard questions i understand we want to look professional we want to feel like we've fixed people um and we want to feel like we've got a theological response to things, but in pain, none of that makes any sense. It just beats people over the head and um, they may not want an argument or a conversation. They may just want to be heard. They may just want to cry. They may just need a hug. Like what does it look like for us to be a space that is just, just has some emotional intelligence and uh, receives people as they are? They may have, they may just want to listen to music. They may need silence. They may just need to, you know, mm. Maybe she doesn't need to be at church for a while and she'll come back. I don't know. But mm. the other thing that comes to mind is, you know, one of the passages in the lectionary for this week is Psalm 91. And um, I'm thinking about how to preach with this kind of thing in mind because this, you know, preaching to a community that is experiencing catastrophic floods um, and the passage says, um, no evil shall happen to you. <laughs> no plague will come to your dwelling. You know, you, the, and this is what's cited to G or what Jesus cites that uh, he will give his angels charge over you and you'll never dash your foot against a stone. Like, does that mean that the Bible is no longer true if we have a trip? I mean, it's been a lot. I was a clumsy kid. It's not been true for a very long time, if that's the case. So I think I've decided as a preacher, then it's my job to say, um, we are always safe in the kingdom of God, as my friend Todd Hunter says. We're always safe in the kingdom of God. And as Julian of Norwich says, all will be well and all things will be well, all manner of things will be well. Yeah. But <laughs> it really stretches our perspective of what it means to be safe and what it means to be well. Um, you yeah. know, even if we die, even those people who lost their lives in this flood. Yeah. Is there a way that all things can be well for them? If God is making all things new, if God is redeeming all of his creation, can he even redeem that? Mm. And um, I love the possibility that I don't think God is the kind of artist who's like, oh, no, I must only work with the p most beautiful clean canvas and the best paints and paintbrushes. He's like, let me take all this broken junk <laughs> and mm. make something new with it. 
and he can work with all the broken things and he actually sees beautiful potential in that. So that gives me hope that um, that even when pain comes our way, which which scripture also acknowledges, then um, then God knows how to redeem it all, whether we live or die. Hmm. Yeah, I I would I would say it uh, that there's a place within us. Um, it just to, just to add to what you've been saying, there is a place within us that nothing can touch. There's a, there's a, there's a place within us that nothing can touch. But so often, you know, and and I guess you could say that's ultimately that's the that's the place of um, that's the place of freedom. Uh, that's the um, yes. that's the place of Pure faith, if you could put it like yes. that. Yes. Um, I, Job comes to mind. You know, um, Satan comes to jo- to God and says, "Haven't you put every? Haven't you put a hedge around him? Take it away, and mm. then we'll and then we'll see how much he fears you." Kind of thing. Um, and it's almost Satan is basically saying, "God, you're not good enough by yourself." You know, if you just if if it's just you and Job in a room alone. Um, Job will never, Job will never even be attracted to you because he needs all the stuff around him. Um, and you know, I think that's so often just, it's just life, isn't it? Um, that this, there's this place that we can, there's this place that God wants to bring us to. And ultimately it probably doesn't, you know, I think obviously it happens in this life, but ultimately it's not done until, we see him face to face, but this is place that God wants us to get to where it's almost like nothing can touch me here. Yeah. Does yeah, that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 There is a beautiful passage that I wish I could, I need to memorize it by Thomas Merton, where he says there's a, there's a point like a pure diamond in each of us that is just the God's name written in us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that, that is a glimpse of our, of our fullness that we will know only after this life, but we don't have to wait until then, I think, to catch a glimpse of it. Yeah. In Revelation 21, you know, where um, um, John says there'll be no more death or crying or pain or um, sickness and so on, do you think that, and, and then in, and then in the same passage it says, I am, Jesus says, I am making all things new. We mm. often read that as though that's, that's you know that's after Jesus returns, mm-hmm. but is it? Do you think that's? Do you think in a sense that's and now but not yet kind of thing happening? Yeah, in the present? yeah, I think so. And I love the fact that oftentimes Jesus throughout Revelation is pictured as a lamb standing as if slain. So he's in the throne room. He's got all of his authority and power, but he still looks like he's been killed. You know, mm. I don't know what that looks like—a lamb that's. You know, maybe his head is a little crooked and there's bloodstains in his wool. I don't know, but he still bears the scars and yet he's speaking with authority over all creation. And um, it's a beautiful possibility that, yeah, all of this pain is is going to be redeemed and um, God, God showed us how it could be done in Jesus and how he's doing it already in us if we let him. So what would your advice be? For a preacher who has been listening to this, you know, and they've and they've and, and they've got this hopefully more holistic picture of pain and and the process and what God might be doing and and so forth. What would your advice be, therefore, to a preacher um, mm. who is 
you know, perhaps specifically preaching on pain and suffering, mm-hmm. or perhaps it's perhaps it's not something specific, but there is pain and suffering involved because it might be a passage like the rich young ruler. It might be a call to be generous, for example, and there are people in that and people are in the audience for whom being generous is going to be painful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say that God has not made a mistake by calling you that, you know, sometimes we feel like I'm too wounded or I've got all this other junk in my life, this baggage that I have to somehow put over there so that I can attend to this work over here. And I think that's a good instinct in some ways because we don't want to see our church as our counselling room Mm. or our sermon as as our own dumping ground. So I wouldn't say that unprocessed emotion or grief or pain needs to come into the sermon, but I do think once we have let God do that work in us that there are things that he can do through what he, what we've seen in our own healing that will bring such good news to the to the community because like you said we can't speak from what we haven't known or experienced ourselves but it is scary to know how to do that well and it's easier just to keep it keep the stuff kind of in a safe place or or think we don't have the luxury to go there it's a can of worms we don't want to open um but yeah, I do. I do think the congregation can tell if we're being honest with ourselves or not, and if we, if we're being honest about their own suffering or not. Um, and there's a real relief to know those things are safe at church. We don't. None of us have to put on mm-hmm. pretense about. Um, but yeah, take take the time, make the investment to find a spiritual director or a counselor or whatever, and. Um, yeah, trust that in your weakness he is strong, that he maybe maybe some of the best sermons you could ever preach will come from will come from the healing that you that he wants to do in you through this mm. through these experiences. Mandy, um I know that um there are things that you need to get to and there are, you know, the people you need to help. So I'm going to just um stop it here. Um, and, and I know there's plenty more we could talk about. I really do. Um, I would like to get you back on again for Love that. Uh, some other yep. topics. But I really appreciate your time. And yeah, I'm glad I came on today. I appreciate the way that you've um, that you've led us through this. Um, I really do. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think um, it'll generate some some good conversations, some some questions. And I think it's an episode that uh, would be worth listening to more than once mm. because there's some this is some profound stuff here. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad I'm glad I could be a part of the conversation. And um, yeah, I probably should go. I think the roof is going to come in a second here to help fix our church roof. So um, should go. But I'd be I'd love to come back on again. Yeah, it's been a really good conversation. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Mandy. Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Preacher Podcast. If you've got a question or topic you'd like answered on a podcast, then please email alan at preachit.nz. If you'd like to know more about Preachit and the training we offer, go to www.preachit.nz or check out our Facebook page. This podcast was produced and edited by Ruffian Beats with music by Samuel James. Catch you next time on The Preacher Podcast where we want to serve those who want to preach better.